Welcome to the HR Empowerment Podcast, where we will uncover strategies and new insights from HR professionals who discuss up-to-date regulations, best practices, and the most pressing topics like diversity and equity, leadership, dealing with difficult situations, and much more that affect your bottom line and business. Thanks for joining us. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Wendy Sellers, the HR lady, with my co-host, JC. Hi. And a special guest, Tina Kuga, who is a small business owner and just happens to also be an HR expert. Hi, Tina. Hi, Hi, JC. Hi, Wendy. Glad to be here. So let's talk about in your small business, how, where did you start with setting (laughs) up HR? Uh, Was it uh, you know, oh, day one, we just hired one person. They're part time. We have to have all these forms. Or did you go, oh, wait, something just blew up. Yep. Forgot to add those. <laughs> well, that's that's a, um, a great question, because um, that's how it kind of starts is, OK, I've got a new employee. I've got a new hire, for example. What paperwork do I have to do? You know, what do I have to be in compliance? So, um, again, me having a little bit of that background, I was able to at least have a direction. But if you don't maybe have that background, I think it would be good to maybe either put um, do a needs analysis and also as well put some work um, workflows in place, kind of really taking an assessment of what you have in place now in the organization. Because a lot of times what we've seen, too, is um, maybe there is an employee handbook but maybe it hasn't been edited or updated in 10 years. (laughs) We've seen that. Um, It could be something as simple as, okay, we've got an onboarding process of hiring people, but we seem to be losing them or they're confused when they get to their job. So, you know, where are the gaps there? Where do we need to fill in? It could be implementing a training and safety program. Um, It could be getting the software to do the onboarding process in an easier manner. So that's where you really need to take that needs analysis, in my opinion, just as a business owner would if they're looking to, you know, start a new piece of their company on what I need to do. Is it going to cost money? You know, is it is it going to be a budgetary consideration? So an HR professional has to think in the mind of a business um, professional as well, too. I always tell that to my HR professionals. You are supporting that organization or that team. Team, um, or that department. And so you have to also think on terms of that and, you know, budget's going to be one of those pieces. So mm-hmm. real interesting piece here that you specifically brought up that HR department is concerned with much more than just people. Processes are so crucial and well-defined HR processes. Those attract, source, recruit, onboard, train, retain, and offboard top talent are so key. The HR department collaborating within the organization to make those happen is is also an inside sales type job to a degree. But when we think about all these different processes, is there a magical Sherm book that has them written out as templates? Is this something a business owner could just pick up and do? Or is there actual benefit there to relying on the experience of the seasoned professional to bring them in? What's the best way to get started there? Oh, that's a that's a loaded question. That is a loaded question. <laughs> you know, it kind of depends on the person, I think, too. Um, just I'm speaking just for me personally. I'm a I'm a big self starter. 
And I am a big researcher just in general. So if I don't know how to do something, you know, I, <laughs> I wish you guys were on video, but I have a nameplate at my desk that says, I don't know, Google it. ID, <laughs> IDK, Google it. <laughs> So I had, <laughs> so I, I end up doing a lot of my own research, but then, like I said, I ended up um, getting a membership with SHRM that helped a lot of the templates, but I also went and um, I started getting involved with some of the local SHRM chapters. Um, so here in Florida, we have multiple SHRM chapters. It may not be advantageous for everyone to do that because it does take time. You know, you have to go to the meetings and such, but that's a, also another great way to meet other HR professionals. Um, they can share ideas with you. They may be able to share some pieces that they've worked on before. I can't encourage that enough. And then also as well um, to help help you um, meet partners. So if you don't even know where to begin, um, as we were talking about earlier, about trying to look at vendors and how to even source that, that might be also a good place to start. It's about networking too, and about talking to other HR professionals. If you're the only one there at the organization, you may feel like you're on an island. And so that can be very tough, but don't be afraid to talk to other people in other companies, other organizations, maybe possibly, like I said, a networking group, anyone that you feel can kind of give you that advice to help you get started on that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would even go even a little bit step further on that because I know many of you that are listening today may actually be the owners of the company or maybe you're an ops person, the CEO, CFO, whatever it might be, and you're you're getting uh, thrown into wearing the HR hat. So it's just a small responsibility um, for you know Society of Human Resource Management, which is SHRM, or any other HR organization, just as Tina just said, just Google um, <laughs> local HR chapters and then things will come up. And you don't always have to be a member. You can go as a non-member. Some are free, some are super cheap. It depends what city you live in. I know in bigger cities across the United States, it's not free. Um, some other times you go in smaller cities and you go, you can go to a chapter meeting once or twice for free before you join, or there's a, a nominal fee. It just depends on um, the local chapter, both Tina and I have been on chapter boards. Um, so we understand how it works, but you really can, the, the connections that you get there are super important. The greatest thing that I, I personally feel that has happened in the past couple of years, um, not because of a good reason, but because of the pandemic was a lot of the chapters did go virtual. So you might mm -hmm. be able to tap into like a New York city chapter when you're in San Diego or whatever and get some information, just be careful you don't confuse the laws when you're listening. Make sure you you check into the laws of your zip code. Go ahead, JC. Yeah, one of those uh, great internal partnerships too, without even having to reach out a house. Sometimes uh, we get siloed within our organizations, especially when we might be talking larger organizations as you're heading up from small to mid, right? And you may actually have someone in-house skilled in business analytics skilled in process improvement and there's no harm in fostering those partnerships sometimes we might think that yeah they just focus on uh, the compliance team or they're just with the sales team but they might actually have some great tools to bring to the table to help analyze your existing processes if you're looking to move that needle from a to b internal partnerships something to keep your eyes on hey yeah as you move forward from that though real quick tina wendy i got a big question for you Processes are one thing, but KPIs, that's something radically different. The first time I ever heard KPI, I was in my 20s. I was probably in a position 
that I should have already known what KPI meant. So I Googled it, cross-referenced it, figured it out. And when we think about the aspect of human resources for small businesses, establishing KPIs, those key performance indicators to measure performance, that could be a tough task. How do you pick your KPIs? So uh, I'll, I'll dive in here too. And, and for the listeners today, especially, you know, listeners who are, are with uh, Aurora's podcast, we do um, metrics training on Aurora's platform as well too. So um, if there's not a live one coming up, there's definitely a, a video, uh, a recorded one that you can tap into because, you know, K- KPIs are huge. You, whoever's listening today, may be the recruiting person. You may be the onboarding person. So if you're in a small company, odds are pretty good. You have, a, you're wearing seven other hats, right? But maybe like JC just said, you can you can get three of the executives and say, okay, this executive over here is going to be the KPI person. This one over here who's, you know, handling a little bit of HR is going to be the employee relations person. And maybe this person over here is going to be whatever, the benefits decider or um, employee relations. So you could split up the duties. You don't have to be one one person for everything. And And Tina, Tell me about this because you've been in large companies as well is, Mm -hmm. you know, when you expect one person, no matter what size company, to be an expert at KPI, uh, recruiting, Mm -hmm. compensation, employee relations, benefits, is that a little bit extreme and asking a little bit too much? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, KPIs is, is going to be a measurement tool, right? So you have to have someone that's going to keep track of that and measure that performance. Um, and it's just identifying those KPIs, but also as well, um, utilizing some tools. Like some of these software pieces, they have actual tools that can show you your turnover rates, um, certain things that are going to help you to have those measurement things in place. But trying to do all of that for one person, forget it. <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> There was a uh, interesting KPI I came across not too long ago in working with a client, and uh, it was how many people left vacation time on the table at the end of the year. We want to make sure more people leave town and enjoy their time. Talk about compassion. Wow. Wow. That's really interesting. I love that they, um, you know, identified that and they put a focus on that. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's super important for if we're going to be um, in carving it out of our budget and using every tactic possible to attract people, then we should actually encourage them to use those darn benefits versus saying, oh, well, they didn't submit it. And on the other side, you know, some of the unfortunate horror stories that I've had to deal with is where people did not go on vacation and it may be because they were hiding something. Now, I don't want you all to assume that, you know, the listeners, I don't want you to assume like, oh, my employee's not going on vacation. They must be hiding something. They might just be, you know, super dedicated. They might also not have money to go on an actual vacation, yeah. or they may be feeling bad about asking because they can see how overwhelmed everybody is. So don't make any assumptions that they're stealing, but then also don't make any assumptions that, Oh, well, they're not required. They're not requesting vacation. Therefore, it's going to be, you know, use it or lose it for in those states that that is applicable. I hate the use it or lose it rule. I I think it's so Mm -hmm. like I'm I'm proud of the the states that say no compensation is, you know, or or time off. I'm sorry, is part of compensation. And therefore, if they use Mm -hmm. it or not, you have to pay it out. And so I encourage anybody that's listening today to, if your state doesn't mandate that, to just make it a policy. And 
you do have to be careful then because people may people may want to cash it out instead of take time off. And that's kind of up to them to do. But we always want to encourage people to take time off of work, rest, relax, maybe go learn something new and come back, re-energize and make sure that they're in it to win it alongside the employer. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think here in the United States, um, our culture, our work culture, um, overall does not encourage, you know, um, employees to take that time off or to have that vacation or PTO time or whatever that may be. So that's a huge shift of trying to get our culture to be okay with that. You know, other countries, they take two, three months of vacation time. But I can tell you, yeah, but I can tell you that, um, for me personally, if I've taken, let's say, a two-week vacation, I wouldn't take a month, my mind is so refreshed because by the time that I come back, I feel relaxed, I feel rested, I've been thinking about other things, and I'm excited to come back to work, you know, because I've had that rest and relaxation. So you have to take that in consideration into your employee relations as well. It's not just about, oh, well, I need coverage on these shifts or in my operation. It's also, you know, are my employees tired? Are they burned out? Are that, you know, all of those things are related to that. <laughs> Pineapple Mai Tais or payroll? Yeah. <laughs> With that said, we will be right back for our last section of this podcast where we're going to continue talking about advice for small businesses on handling HR and employee relations. Thank you for joining the HR Empowerment Podcast brought to you by Aurora Training Advantage. We hope you've gained new insight and strategies to navigate the HR profession. We look forward to you joining us again on the HR Empowerment Podcast.